It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Building. My name is Laura Pereno. I'm with Debbie Kiever today, and we are starting out the month of April in our continuation of our new series on growth and growing. And we're actually taping this in the very beginning of March, and it doesn't look like there's a lot of growth outside yet, but we know that God is working under the soil, and perhaps when this airs in April, we're going to see some evidence of some roots, some shoots, uh, planting, pushing through, as we know that God is uh, doing something new as spring is here And we are excited to see how he is growing creation around us and really the picture of it that it is as he's growing us more and more into his image as well. So today we're going to really start with looking at the author, the one that God inspired to write uh, Psalm 1. We have looked at Psalm 1 quite a few times as we've gone through different analogies with plants and personifying plants and seeing how we grow in such similar ways um, that as the plants do. But today we're going to look at David. And if you've studied the life of David before, if you haven't, we're really going to be in 1 Samuel 16 and 17 today. We're not going to read the whole passage, but, you know, take some time, get your Bible out and check it out in a couple different versions. What a story, uh, what a man God called and used for a specific purpose. We really are going to follow his life today, and we're going to see that David's life, while he was called to be the king of Israel, you know, he didn't start out, he wasn't just born right there in onto, the, you know, onto royal territory. He didn't just automatically get transitioned to the throne. He had quite a life uh, surrounding him before he even got to the palace. And so as we've been looking at growing and growth in this series, uh, I really studied out the word uh, for growing or growth back when Debbie and I uh, did the Beyond Women's Conference about growth. And there are so many words in the Hebrew language that reference growth. In fact, I think the funniest one, and it, it makes me laugh, there is actually a word for grow in the Hebrew that just means growing old. Like, I don't know, we don't have a word for just growing old, I don't think. But there's a word that actually just means growing old. There's another word that means growing up, you know, in age. But there's one specific Hebrew word. It's spelled G-A-D-A-L, and I'm going to pronounce it gadal, and we will see if that is correct or not. But that specific Hebrew word means to advance, to increase in strength and to advance. And that sounds great, right? I mean, all of us want to advance. We want to grow into what God has for us because God has a place for each one of us. But there's a second part to that Hebrew concept of gadal, and it means to be twisted as in the twisting of a cord, like twisting twine. And Debbie, that just makes me say, ouch, (laughs) because like nobody, I don't know, when you hear things like this, you kind of go, yes, I want to grow. I want to advance. God has something for me and I want to, I want to get there. But then you hear you have to be twisted like a cord of twine in order to get to that place. That kind of makes me go, oh, well, maybe I don't want it that bad. Or maybe if the twisting isn't that bad, I don't know. It kind of takes that uh, super excited, uh, wanting to advance and kind of tones it down a little bit before me. But there is a kind of growing that only takes place in challenges 
only takes place in times of twisting. You know, Laura, I've been doing this beach body at home during the quarantine, and I did something for the first time last week. When I every time you keep saying twisting, I keep <laughs> thinking of this beach body. They had a an active recovery day, and it was yoga. Mm. And I am not flexible. I do not bend well. And I always thought, I just, I think in my head, I said yoga is for people that don't want to really work out. <laughs> was I wrong? It was all this twisting in ways that every part of my body was resisting, twisting. And mm. she kept talking about, you may not think you look like you're doing much, but your body is getting stronger. And I'm going, my body is getting worse yeah. with this. <laughs> With this twisting and holding right. in these positions. And how are you possibly smiling? Yes, right, that? right, right. But it's so true. It's like us today. We twist and, and and these identify the areas in our lives that we are not flexible. Yes. You know, where yes. we have some maybe some previous injuries that say, uh, nay, nay, you're not going to be touching your, you know, your nose to your knees. Yes. And, and we don't want to submit to twist. We don't want anyone to try it because we've already made an assumption that it's going to stink that it's going to really be yes like hurtful harmful to us and we'll talk our way our way out of it and refuse to bend if you refuse to cooperate with what god's doing yeah and yet he in life he's given us a royal position he's called us his sons and his daughters and he's our dad he's the king yep and we we are coming in this new relationship with him with old mindsets that say, you know, that we believe the lies, the negative things people have spoken over us. And yet God is saying, I got a place of promise for you. That's right. And and I'm going to get you there. But when you're, when you're a Moses and you're, you're running in the wilderness, when you're an Esther, you know, who you've lost so much of your family, when you're a Gideon, when you're not doing what you're called to do, you're hiding, yep. um, you know, in a wine press, when you're a David and you are a shepherd, and you're out in the fields by yourself, and God starts to prepare you to go from a field to a throne. You're like, ah, I don't think I can get there. Mm. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to give up. I may not like where I am, but it's my comfort zone. I am yep. not willing to leave that place to grow, and that's going to require some twisting, some yep. hard time. I mean, David, God, God looks at David very differently. He sees uh, a boy that killed a bear, a boy that killed a lion. To a um a young man who kills an enemy, to the king, to a king who is protecting his nation. Yep. I mean, it's God's perspective is drastically different than ours. Yep. And and through this twisting that we're going to be talking about in David, we're going to see that God allowed those hard moments, the twistings of life, to strengthen him in ways that he never ever expect expected to happen. But as he allowed, he cooperated with God in the twisting. Man, it developed a relationship of dependency upon upon God that he, I think he thought he had had a dependency on God back in the day, but man, it, it, upped, it upped a lot, you know, as he had to go through some of these challenges. God is doing the same thing in our lives today. He sees the position that's a royal position for you and I. We see where we are right now and God sees what is required to get us there. 
Absolutely. And I think that it's amazing to think about, you know, we're going to look at First Samuel 16 and, and really quickly David's story. But it's so interesting because, you know, we find David for the very first time. He's in the fields. He's a shepherd like you just uh, referenced. And he is worshiping. Like, that's what he did. He played his lyre. He worshiped. He watched the sheep. He defended the sheep. And did he ever think that his life was going to be any more than that? And yet there was just this day that God had already appointed that was going to be the day that changed everything in his story. You know, if, you, if you've read First Samuel 16 or, you know, the story of the prophet Samuel, uh, God has sent Samuel to the house of Jesse and tells Samuel that one of Jesse's sons is going to be the king. Now, if you know the story, David's in the fields, he's the youngest, he's the shepherd, and he's watching the sheep and all the other sons who have more important jobs, they're all brought out and they're lined up. And then Samuel is going to choose from among Jesse's sons who's going to be the next king. And it is, um, it's kind of amazing because, of course, none of the sons are the one that God would choose. God would choose the one who was still in the field. But I have to, I have to wonder about all these sons. And we know the story. David ends up being the king. We've already talked about the fact he's going to reference a lot of trouble. I wonder later on in life, when David's going through all of his trouble, did the other sons kind of look and go, whoa, I really wanted that royal position. But now that I know what it comes with, I I don't know. I'm kind of glad I wasn't the one who was chosen for it. But God had chosen David for this specific thing. And so he was in the fields looking like he had been forgotten when the call was coming to one of the sons in the family. And it just kind of takes me to a point for myself personally. Sometimes there are lonely seasons that we need to go through. And honestly, all of us have been through a lonely season in 2020 and possibly into 2021. But in those lonely seasons, um, we can feel forgotten. We can feel neglected. Um, We can consider ourselves just like David or Gideon would have, you know, the least, the lowest, uh, one who certainly would never be called out in order to sit on the throne, you know, of Israel, that kind of reference there. But he was in this lonely place. I'm sure that all of us who have experienced some loneliness in the past year or so would say that there is a lot of, and we'll say Gadol, right? There's a lot of twisting. There's a lot of challenge that comes in those lonely places. Kind of funny, maybe young moms that are listening, you know, think, oh, if I could only get a day by myself. The reality is when you are by yourself for a long time, it is a challenging place to be. There's a lot of twisting that goes on in our minds and our hearts and our thoughts. So here's David feeling forgotten, um, feeling rejected, feeling the least And yet he's having this experience with God and God is preparing him for the place where he would take him. He is positioning him in his lonely time, in this twisting for what he has for him next. Laura, do you remember a number of podcasts ago, we talked about uh, words that hinder growth. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that was like back at the beginning of March. David had that. David had words spoken to him by his, uh, even by his father, you know, when you aren't picking your son out of the fields in a lineup of all the brothers, it's like that is such a slight. Yes. Even from not just the brothers, but but from dad. Yes. Saying you're not, you are not significant enough for me to pause, like have have the prophet wait a minute. We got one more son, 
you know, for something such a big deal. This is not like just someone's coming for dinner. This is to yes. find the next king. Yes. This is a big yes. deal thing. And so these words that were spoken into David's life when he learned about him, why in the world would you think that would grow into something that says, I have a royal position. God yep. has called me to be king. So he had to really overcome that. Yep. You know, I look at, especially in that culture, um, it not just the Jewish culture, but Middle Eastern culture, when you were the youngest, you were considered the least important. It's almost mm-hmm. like, hi, my name is David. I'm the last born and I don't really matter. Yes. You know, it's, it's yes. like you're defined who you are. It, it's it's thought to be the, the youngest is the weakest. Yep. Almost like the runt, you know, of a litter. Don't worry about it too much. It's not going to really, not going to turn into anything significant. Don't give them the important job. Send him into the fields. Let yep. him watch the sheep, you know. It's it's not that big a deal of a job, and that's why David was given it because he was that youngest son. And he spends all those days out there, you know, knowing culturally that he's the bottom of the the ladder. Yep, he really doesn't matter. I mean, if I get eaten by a bear, I get eaten by a bear, and I, you know, yep. it's not like it's any skin off anyone else's you know body. So it's <laughs> David is he's in that lonely place, but gosh, it's in the lonely place where he develops this love for God. Yep. It's where the Psalms are written. You know, it's where he's just, he has no one else to talk to. You know, you can only talk to sheep so long. And, and so he begins to see that the father is a shepherd to him and Amen. just how he cares for his sheep. So it's when the world defines who you are and you believe it, then those lonely places become a place where you get stuck. That's right. When the world tries to define who you are, but you make a choice to listen to, to the father's definition of you your relationship grows with him in those lonely places and it's preparing you for what's coming ahead to get you to the place of stepping into the calling that god has on your life yeah that is so true and i think when we find ourselves in the lonely places I think we need to take all of our thoughts captive, right? Just like you were just saying and see it as an opportunity for growth. See it as an opportunity for God to speak. See it as an opportunity to hear from the Lord where he may be leading you and to find out exactly who you are in that moment. Rather than just the natural is for us to listen to the voice of ourself or listen to the voice of our enemy. We have to consciously say, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm in a lonely place. God must have something to say. And so I'm going to uh, respond accordingly. Okay, I I love, love, love Debbie. I know you do too, like studying God's word like this. I love seeing how other people lived it out and then knowing how I can live it out because they did. So if we look at the story, you know, we continue. David runs back home in, in 1 Samuel uh, 16. He's anointed for the throne. Um, you know, you would think at that moment that he would be like, well, my days with the sheep are done. Clearly I am being advanced, right? That I'm growing. Here we go. I'm going from the fields to the throne. Um, I've got my Royal assignment. So where's my crown? Where's my robe? When Saul out, where's my palace? You know, David knew the moment that Samuel had anointed him, that there was a change, that there was a shift that nothing in his life would ever be the same. And yet everything in his life was exactly the same. And this happened right in front of his father. Yes. Right in front of his father. It's not that you're like, eh, you know, but it's it's that 
do you see that the value that God is placing on me, the one that you forgot? Yes. Yes. And then when he gets, he gets sent back to the sheep it's and like, you have to kind of think now, what are the brothers saying? You know? And yeah. oh yeah, he's the king. Yeah. Back with the sheep with him. He's still the least, still the most you know, unimportant. So there was this marked change inside of him and nothing would ever be the same because he knew that God had called him for a purpose. He understood what his call was. He knew where he was going. He just didn't know how long it would take or what the road would look like. He had no idea. He had no idea how hard his road was going to be, but he knew the one from the time in the lonely places that was going to keep him through those hard times. It's just like David in our lives, you know, Deb, like we all want to grow. And when we know what our call is, when we take the spiritual gifts test and we know what our spiritual gift is and we want to start getting plugged in at church, we're like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. You know, God is advancing me to this next place. Man, if we could see it in the unseen places, because advancing does not always look the way we think it's going to look. And do we really know the path? You know, back in 1998 was I was away in Canada at a conference. And this was the time where God just he did such a number on me in terms of speaking uh, life into me about future ministry. And I was, I was lit up. I could not wait to come home and jump into what God had for me. But my boys were five and two. And I can, I can remember coming in and greeting them from the plane and going right back to dirty diapers and, mm. you know, chicken nuggets and like this little kid <laughs> land and, th- and feeling like, did I miss something? Like God just made something so powerfully clear with so many confirmations from his word and from prophetic words being spoken over my life. And I'm coming home to the sheep. Yes. Coming yes. Home cleaning up after the sheep. Yes. And I was like, God, this is, is this what you, this isn't what you called me to do. And you're back home alone with the kids again. And I felt like, I felt like I had missed it. And I heard God say really clearly, you raise these boys your job is to raise these boys. This is somewhere down the line. He said, but you're not ready for it yet. Mm-hmm. You're not ready. There's a lot that I need to teach you to prepare you for what is coming. And he said, raising your children and be faithful, ministering where I have you right now is boot camp. That's what he called it. It's mm. boot camp. And so, you know, this, I feel like David, like, all right, I was just commissioned to do something that I was so excited to do. And I'm back, like, giving children baths again and thinking (laughs) this is not, you know, but God's like, be faithful in the lonely place. Be faithful. Yeah. So man, I understand that. And now looking at it later, now I'm, you know, I'm almost 54. I just look at this as God, you, I wasn't ready. You are so right. I was not ready for what, you know, I'm walking in today. I had to have those 20 years of a lot of twisting that took place. Just like David, when he wrote in Psalm 1, there were a lot of things that he said, I have to stop doing. I've stopped walking in step with the wicked. You know, that's when you take a step away from walking in, in a thought pattern that's consistent with the world, you're going to be targeted as thinking uh, very different, very, mm-hmm. you're very old school. You're very mm-hmm. out of touch with reality. That hurts when people say that to you. Yep. That's, that's some of the twisting. We don't stand in the way that sinners take when you stop doing the things just to fit in. Yep. You know, you are lonely. You are standing out 
it's twisting, right? Yep. Yep. When you be, you stop talking certain ways, you don't sit in the company of mockers and you have to choose to bite your tongue, you know, and be quiet or, you know, like just not, not go to battle for some things that really just ended up in a, an argument down the road. You are standing out, man. It's like a target on you. And yep. it seems like people like to shoot you even more. It's twisting. It's like choosing God. You're del- I'm going to delight in your word. I'm going to become so focused on what you want me to do, what your word says. I meditate on it day and night. You're an oddball when you do that. Yep. When you yep. delight in the Lord, you become an oddball because yep. the general population is not worried about that. That's right. And what happens in the midst of that which all these choices that you're making, things that you stop doing, things that you start doing, it makes you a peculiar person, right? Set apart for God. And sometimes that's lonely. Well, most of the time that could be lonely. And and in that place, that's where, man, the twisting becomes growth. Yes, absolutely. It's it's amazing, isn't it? The places we never <laughs> expect to be end up these places where God is just going to grow us. I love it. Um. God uses these challenges, Debbie, and this is really our second point. Um, He uses these challenges in these times of twisting to grow us. And again, you know, uh, 1 Samuel 16 is all about uh, David being brought to the understanding of what his royal position was going to be. And and while he did go back to the sheep, you know, those of us who are reading the story in the word, um, David's living it, we're reading it, and we think, okay, so in Psalm 16, he finds out who he is, he goes back to the sheep for a season, he saws off the throne, he comes back, and he's just going to have victory and go right to the throne. But Psalm 17 starts out, you know, David faces Goliath. So here he goes from this lonely time into a battle. Now, it was no surprise to God that this was going to happen, but I would imagine David didn't think that he was going to go right from taking care of sheep to bringing down a giant. But there was another Gadol, another time of twisting purposed to grow David, and that was there was a battle ahead. Boy, in our stories, um, and I think this is just like with that time of loneliness, when we find ourselves in a battle, we probably ought to see it as an indicator for growth too. I mean, all of these things that we're talking about today are indicators for growth. When when God allows you to come up and face a Goliath, when God allows you to be standing in front of something that's bigger than you ever thought you'd be fighting in your life, we should view it as an opportunity, A, for victory and B, for growth, because God was going to use this battle, this giant Goliath to make David stronger so that he was prepared for the royal position, king over a nation uh, who would bring down many enemies. God was preparing, growing him through this twisting to bring him into his royal position. You know, this giant that you're talking about, Goliath, this, this battle that he was facing, this was a giant that had already basically beaten all of his peers, all of David's peers, because mm-hmm. they were cowering, that nobody was going out to face him. And every day, Goliath um, would, he was like over, like over nine feet tall. He had all this huge armor, huge um soldier he knew how to use all the battle but he just would come out day after day after day and spew insults about the god of israel and nobody would go after him nobody they just kind of said oh my gosh we're just going to stand our ground but nobody was moving forward and and david i think these are times where 
even when the people around you are cowering, you know, to these battles, David had to really ask himself, what do I really believe? Mm-hmm. And his initial response was, how dare nobody go out there? Like he was yep. baffled. Nobody yep. wants to take a stand against this obnoxious giant. Do you hear what he's saying? And so it's these battles like that, that for us, that make us go, what do I really believe to be true about God? Yes. yes. Am I listening and cowering in fear or am I taking a stand and knowing what the word of God says and go after it? That's and I think right. of, you know, this basic story of David, he, he's going to take a stand. He says to King Saul, I'll go out and fight him. Like, how dare you? Like, yes. how dare him continue to badmouth God? And Saul says, well, I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you my equipment. You're going to wear my soldier's outfit, which looked ridiculous on David. He wasn't comfortable and he was smaller than King Saul. And so he's like, no, I don't need this. I have these little stones and I have a slingshot because God has allowed me to be tested with a lion, allowed me to be tested with a bear in the past. And God has shown me that I can overcome them with these tools. It's the same principles but now I'm taking even a bigger stand because I have God on my side and we know that that David slings the stone it hits in a very vulnerable spot right on the far head of of the Goliath and he falls and then dies and David cuts off his head big hero type story but I think what the crux of it the the twisting for David was, do I really believe this will work? It's mm. kind of like, I'm, you know, you don't want to poke the bear, right? Mm. If I sling this stone at the at Goliath and it doesn't kill him, mm. now we're all in trouble. Mm-hmm. Now yep. we're all in trouble. And so he was banking everything on, on who God had promised that he was and who God proved to him in the past that he had been. And who gets the glory? It has to be God because everybody looks at this little kid and a, and a slingshot and stones and knows that there's no way on his own strength David could have accomplished that. So in this twisting, in this battle with this enemy, man, God looks amazing through this. And David gives God the glory because it's all about um, proving that God is stronger than the enemy that's in front of you. Putting you in a position where it makes no sense that you could have won. Yep. You know, God gets the glory. Yep. I just keep thinking as you're as you're saying that holding on to what God said. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the reason he could pick up those stones and reject that uh, armor of Saul's is because he knew what God had said. He believed what God said. He believed God. And so because he knew what God had said and he knew that uh, Goliath taking him out did not line up with what God had said over his life. He could face that giant because he knew the giant had to fall in order for him to get to the place where he had. I know um, the promises that God has made that he has spoken specifically to my heart. When I see, and and I don't remember where I saw this or I've heard it, but you know, don't let what you see uh, make you forget what God said or keep you from believing Mm -hmm. what God said. When I see things with my eyes that don't line up with what God told me, I can know that those things are going to change because God said X. And if Y doesn't line up with that, I'm going to stick with X no matter what. So when God speaks to us, like he had spoken to David, when he gave him a royal position, told him which way to go, it didn't matter if he was being twisted in loneliness or if he was being twisted in a battle, he was going to hold on to the word of God and keep on advancing. I remember it was uh, back in 2016, at the very beginning of 2016, Deb, and I may have shared this with you before, but 
Um, there was a woman at church who uh, pulled me aside one day and she just said, I, I have something to tell you. You know, the Lord has given me something for you. And when uh, she wrote it down and she came over and just took me aside and, and gave me the paper and she said, um, God has a, a call in your life. He has something for you to do. There's a, a purpose um, and he's going to he's going to increase X, Y, and Z, and she listed those things. But and of course, just like David, honestly, like when he got <laughs> called up and he got anointed, I'm like, I'm tears are starting to flow. Like, yes, Lord, yes, yes. You know, you have something for me. Praise God. This is the moment I've been waiting for. And then she said, um, but and I was like, oh, okay. She said, um, there's going to be some significant pain on your journey, and uh, you're gonna. There's going to be a lot of hurt. There's going to be a lot of tears and you're going to go through through things that you never saw coming uh, in order to get to that place that he had. He's taking you. Okay. Now, truthfully, the tears continued to flow. For now, re <laughs> new reason. <laughs> and this is what I said to her. Like, did you write this down? Because I don't know. I think I would have gotten home and just been like, yes, God has a promise for me, you know, and maybe just forgotten all the rest of it. But she had written it down the whole thing. I actually pinned it on my prayer wall um, in my house at that time. And I would look at it every day because it wasn't much longer after that. If you know my story, this all happened in January-ish, maybe February. And it was April 1st of that same year that um, the robbery happened at my house, which, you know, that was a pretty significant shaking. And it, I mean, it was it was very significant for us. Um, that robbery was the first of many events uh, within the next year or two that threatened to be that Goliath in my life to make me forget what God said, um, to bring me down, to leave me crying in despair instead of uh, trusting in faith, you know. And honestly, I had to look at my wall and look at that promise that God had made me over and over and over again. And I kept saying, no, this is not the end. This is not going to end in defeat. God is going to be victorious here. And I'll tell you, when I came out of it, um, which was years later, uh, I was not the same person that I was going in it. And other people could have looked at my story, Deb, and I think this is honestly a great point too. Other people, like the brothers, could have looked at my story and been like, oh man, I am so glad I'm not her. Look at everything she's going through. Or why what, Why would this be happening to her, you know? And people just kind of glad that God hadn't chosen them for the road that I was walking because other people's stories didn't look like mine. But what they couldn't see... Um, and even what I couldn't see at the time is that God was working every detail of that story out to grow me into the place that he has me today and uh, the call that he has on my life. So um, I'm grateful for the second part of that word that was spoken over me looking back. And I know that David would say the same thing. Grateful for Goliath grateful for the lonely times, grateful for the seasons that are struggle, because God really does work them to refine us, to bring us to where um, we are supposed to be. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing. But really, that takes us to our third point today. And that is that, um, you know, eventually, David does get to the palace, he does end up on the throne. But the palace um, doesn't stop the twisting. Being seated on the throne, being the king of Israel, being acknowledged as the king of Israel, seeing with your eyes what God has declared over your life, does not end the twisting. And David's struggles only intensified when he got to the place where God had called him to go. I think there are so many key scriptures that in 
like that word that was given to you by your friend, promises of God that we need to really hold on to would be like giving thanks in the, in the trials and tribulations because you're there's going to be testing your faith and your faith's going to get stronger. Yep. You know, in this world, you're, you're going to have the hard times. Yep. Don't worry, I've overcome the world. I mean, we need to hold on to those truths in the yep. midst of the twisting, in the yep. midst of the shaking. Um, that is the word. He's already spoken that over our lives, yep. that he will use these times to refine our faith and to reveal. There's things that he reveals about himself in the midst of that, that if everything had gone smoothly, we would never have learned. Yep. You know, for David, he definitely, he's a great example of of how God has done that. But I I think of Israel, right? The Israel that left Egypt was not the same Israel that entered the promised land. I mean, literally, you have, you know, two men that that entered a promised land who were from Egypt. But the the whole DNA of who they were and their understanding of God and his power is a whole different ballgame 40 years later when they entered the promised land. Uh, now Jesus, now Jesus didn't have to change, right? He was perfect from the beginning, but he steps into ministry and immediately all the hard times hit with the Pharisees. There's opposition, you know, he is King and he is on the throne and yet he was walking through hard stuff that ultimately led to the cross. And, you know, actually when this is airing, it is Easter, it is Easter season that we're sitting in and, you know, Jesus he gets he gets that whole experience in the wilderness and then he's baptized and acclaimed before man by his father that was just the beginning of some hard stuff that took place yep and so why would i expect anything different that's right you know for myself that's right he, he is preparing us he's growing us and he's twisting us to prepare us for the place where he is leading us and there's going to be times where we are really encouraged by little battles that are going on. There are times where you're lonely and there are times where the battles just increase. But each way, each battle that he's allowing us to go through, we're ready for it. Like yep. he's he's got us ready. It's going to stretch us, but it's still, you're not, it's not hitting you out of the blue. I'm sure that if you had put a Goliath in front of a 14-year-old David, he wouldn't have known what to do. But you gave him a bear and a lion first and... He was ready. His relationship had time to grow. He was ready for the heat of those times. And man, he comes shining through like That's the shiny, right. shiny penny makes That's God right. look amazing. I, I remember we talked about those portulacas, those yeah. flowers that the ground cover that take a little while to cover the ground Yep, because their roots are going down. It's in those seasons where we're like, is anything happening, God? Is anything happening? Do I really still need to water these plants? And it's the roots. Everything is happening underneath this the surface so that when it's really hot in July and August, the blooms are the best. Yep. Like, like they, it's the nature is just amazing at that point because the roots were pushed down in the times of being lonely. David experienced that loneliness in the fields, loneliness in the caves, running for his life from the king whose position he's going to actually take all these things, this whole package of what David had to walk through was preparing him for that big season that God had where he is a man after God's own heart. You know, but once he's there in the palace, once he's king, like you said, it's not a, it's not a cakewalk. He's still going to have to choose to really honor God in the way he lives. And sometimes he did amazing, sometimes not so much. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about the fact that even in the um, the 
Hebrew people, when they were walking into the promised land, right, and they got into the promised land, their battles were bigger and stronger in the promised land than they had ever been in the wilderness. In the wilderness, they had, of course, they had struggles. They were there for a long time. But when they got to the promised land, these cities were super strong and these giants were super tall. And it's almost like as we are operating in this uh, call or ministry or season that God has brought us to, um, things do get intensified and seem bigger. It, it brings to my mind that David, you know, his original battle we talked about was with loneliness and then with uh, a giant. Well, he didn't know that giant. He didn't have any kind of connection to that giant Goliath. He just he just knew God would take him down. Now, you know, if you read more about David's life, it's his son who's after him in the palace. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's it's just like when the when the heat keeps getting turned up, even though you're in the um. I don't know. Even though you're in the the place that God's called you to be, we just have to be so careful and guard ourselves, like you said, because David, while he certainly was in his royal position and the one who wrote Psalm 1, you know, uh, under the inspiration of the Lord, you know, we know that David did not always uh, walk the road that he was supposed to walk. And and he did, uh, you know, have his moment with Bathsheba where he he fell. He did not continue to walk according to what God had purposed for him. And, you know, if you, if you really study the story out, Debbie, we could take this right back to creating an environment for growth. David was in the wrong place, right? He wasn't even supposed to be in the palace that day, but he was in the palace. He saw Bathsheba. He decided that he wanted Bathsheba. And we know the story. He ends up uh, with adultery and murder, um, as part of his story. But if you look at Psalm 1, which is what we really have focused on through this whole thing, just look at the story here. He chose to walk with the wicked, right? He he didn't, he took the easy way. It's, you know, it's just easy to make the decision in the moment to walk the way of the wicked. He chose to take the road that sinners take. The Bible says that that road is the wide one and many people go on there. It's the popular path. He chose to stray away from the, the straight and narrow that he had been called to, that God had purposed for him. He took the easy road, the road that didn't have at that moment any twisting. And maybe this is even a word here too. Like when we choose to walk the road away from God that doesn't feel like there's any twisting, the twisting is not in the process. The twisting is the end result. The painful place is not in the process. The painful place is going to be the end result. And certainly, uh, David and Bathsheba suffered the consequences of this sin when they when they lost their child and and all of the pain that was involved in that. But he walked a road that God had not purposed for him when he was in his place of promise. Um, it was a hard time, very hard time, but he chose to take the road that didn't have any twisting. And rather than advancing, you kind of say he, he went backwards, he fell back because he wasn't walking in the place that God had for him. You know, we never let your guard down. It's easy to say that. It's such an important thing to remember. Sometimes we miss it. But thank God, you know, through the through the midst of this, there are times we let our guard down and we are getting twisted because of our own bad choices. And you learn from yeah. that. But there's times where God is allowing twisting that's coming because of outside forces. You know, things that you, you were making the right choices. You were living according to what God asked for you and you still were going through hard stuff regardless of whether we are causing the the trials or the trials are just coming to us because god's allowing them he is going to use all of it 
to bring good in our lives because he's promised that he would. You know, so whatever the cause is, you know, he will still bring good out of it. He's still strengthening our root systems. He's still strengthening our understanding of who he is, our convictions, our, you know, our standing our ground, that inner strength that says, I know who God is. Amen. And I'm learned it. I've either learned it because I believed him and I've experienced victory or I've learned it because I've been burned and God has seen me through it. So however you get there in your twisting moments, God is going to. Um, he's going to bear fruit out of it. He's going to make yep. you stronger. You know, yep. I'm, I'm excited, Lars. as we come back um, next week. The next podcast is about how, it's about root structures. Man, if roots are such a big deal, then we certainly can't not talk about them. So we're going to be talking about how God grows us through the different kind of root structures in our lives. So, man, this is fun. I know you and I love to talk about the Word of God and real-life circumstances. Um, so I'm looking forward to being back together again next week. If this is encouraging you, if you know somebody who's really going through the twist, right, going through a hard, uncomfortable time, or perhaps, like I said, somebody who's doing yoga for the first time and not, <laughs> not digging it, uh, please share this <laughs> podcast with them. Just to encourage them. A lot of times when you're in the middle of the twisting, you do feel lonely and it's good to know that you're not the only one. Amen. You know, that's, that's right. walking through this. So from Debbie Kieber and Laura Perino, thank you so much for being part of this uh, time together today. Again, we love you. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or encouragement to you, if you email us at beyondwomensconference at gmail.com, we will get back to you. So the two of us are signing off for today saying thanks so much for joining us. We love you. Thanks so much. See you later. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.